Welcome to Hatch, where we interview the latest startups in and around Cambridge and Boston. I'm Heidi Legg from TheEditorial.com. Tonight at Venture Cafe at the Cambridge Innovation Center, we interview Sharon Fan, whose startup called Gesture landed in the Microsoft ad during the Super Bowl. We talked to Sharon about launching a medical tool for surgeons so they need not scrub out, and about how she captured the momentum when Microsoft and the Super Bowl landed on their doorstep. This podcast is brought to you by XChem Pharmaceuticals. Sharon, thanks for coming in tonight. No problem. I'd like to tell everybody a little bit about Gesture and what you do in case they miss the Super Bowl ad that Microsoft put on last year. Sure. Um, so what we've done is actually take the Microsoft Connect, which is part of the Xbox offering, I think everyone knows that, because it was one of the uh, hottest, and and I think it sold um, as the most sold accessory of any video game um, console in history. Um, what we've done is take the Xbox and actually apply it in surgery. So we allow surgeons to control their operating room imaging just by moving their hands backwards and forwards and in a you know, a, a manner which uh, allows them to control their mouse and keyboard without touching anything and breaking sterility. So the Microsoft connection there is they actually put us in their 2014 Super Bowl commercial, uh -huh. um, briefly, about three seconds, uh, to illustrate the fact that um, technology can have a great impact outside of gaming and outside of the original intention. But I saw it a few times in that ad. It was three seconds a few times. I mean, you definitely got a picture of what they were doing. How did that feel when you saw your product play on a large scale like that. That's the largest advertising night of the entire year in U.S. television. Definitely. Our entire team was actually ecstatic because we crunched the math on how, many, uh, how much money was spent in those three seconds. But um, I think if you watch the commercial over and over again, you get a really good sense that it was, it was one that showcased um, how technology affects human lives. Um, and we were a very small component of that, but it was definitely exciting to see the other um, applications like Skype and, and sort of other um, Microsoft tools being used in a, in a wonderful human way. How did it impact your business a month later? So we were very excited um, leading up to it, obviously for the filming and then for a lot of the editing um, components. And I think what we had originally anticipated was that the phones would ring off the hook. And... Um, there, there was the, the idea that um, once this concept was out, everybody, including the surgeons that had seen it, would then start to buy it. Um, and what's interesting about that, and if I can take a step back about marketing, is that you, know, you have response marketing, which is, here's a product, buy it. But then you also have brand marketing, which is effectively um, illustrating what the brand and what all the products can do. And so we actually found brand marketing to be the um, results of, of the Super Bowl commercial. We end up getting a lot of pe people, um, as, we, as we describe our product, say, oh yeah, I think I saw that on TV. Uh -huh. And it really legitimized both the application and the business, and it made our storytelling that much easier in the future. Obviously, it helps to be able to, um, once in a while, sneak in the comment that we were featured on a Super Bowl commercial. Um, and Microsoft actually ran a similar campaign this year as well. But um, what we found was advertising really does work, and it really helped us um, cement the storytelling because now people believe that this product is real and believe that the future is here and that we are the ones providing it. Sometimes I think we forget in the visionary space, which um, 
I get to trade in by interviewing all of you and you guys get to trade in by being in the spaces mm -hmm. that the general consumer can't often see things the way you see it. Um, before the commercial, did you have distribution already of your product or were you still in sort of a beta mode? We were very much in a beta mode. Um, in fact, after the commercial, we had uh, our first multi-unit sale and then after that, our first international sale, etc. And so um, it was actually perfect timing for us to be featured because we were still small enough that it was relatively unknown to the consumer space. Um, but for the machine vision and for anybody who works with the Microsoft Connect, we were we have been around for quite some time. So it was timely for sure. So I want to look at this from two perspectives, one from doctors and hospitals and the other perspective from startups. So let's start with startups. If you're a startup listening to this, you're like, how did she get the Microsoft Add, how do I do that? You know, often we'll meet young entrepreneurs and they're so desperate to get that break. What advice do you have for them on trying to put themselves in the flow? So for us, it was incredibly fortuitous in that we were invited by Microsoft to participate and we didn't really push ourselves onto, um, obviously, the tech giant to, to be featured in the Super Bowl. But um, I would say the, the key pieces of advice that really apply to, you know, how we've become one of Microsoft's commercial partners is participation in any of the activities that they, they hold. So we, from a very early stage, knew that the Connect was vital to our business, and we had participated in the Microsoft Connect Accelerator mm -hmm. in Seattle. So that was our first moment of exposure. And then after that, um, we basically continued that relationship um, once we moved from Seattle to Boston. This is where our U.S. office is located. And, um, and we have a really strong relationship with the local Microsoft community, um, including the Microsoft Technology Center, which is actually right across the street from here, as well as um, some of the global uh, officers. So I think the, the key thing for any startup, if they are working on a, a, a platform with a large commercial partner, is to understand how can you create a symbiotic relationship of which um, you're using their technology and they can showcase your application um, as, as a really clever way of either repurposing something or um, of of applying it in a different market. Because most of their that tool was being used in gaming. For sure, exactly. And and since um, the Connect has actually, you know, proverbially been hacked, um, you have applications of rehabilitation. Um, obviously, ours is more of an interactive one. There's, uh, there's sort of clothing sizing. There's a, a, a litany of applications in different markets. And I think that if we were to sort of pull back from that again, that's how technology influences our lives. You are able to see it being used in different verticals and then ultimately being used by everybody. So if I'm a doctor or I'm a hospital, how do I um, find you? I see that ad and I think, wow, I didn't know that was available. Yep. How do you get to those people? So it's wonderful because Microsoft um, has also been very open in actually putting our name in 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 attachment to the, the ad. And so we actually have gotten inbound um, from hospitals and from administrators asking us, you know, what do you, what do you have to offer and where are you at in the development phase? Can you come in for a demo? In fact, our first international sale came from uh, a hospital administrator who was, I think, in Saudi at the time, um, attending a conference where Microsoft's chief MD, um, Bill Kuntz, was speaking. And so we're eternally grateful for 
Bill sort of evangelizing our application. And likewise, Bill is really happy when, you know, we can engage more customers so that Microsoft's technology can be showcased in, in that setting. So you're riding the wave. People know who you are. Mm -hmm. You're getting this recognition in the consumer. They're like, hey, I saw that. Uh, how did you move forward? Because we're a year later, and I know you've got a few distribution partners now. Can you tell us how you move forward? Definitely. So I think if we were to go back to how a startup can can capitalize on the publicity, the next step after that is you kind of have to deliver. So Microsoft didn't obviously have to do the heavy lifting. We had to go and take you know, most of the sales leads into our own hands. Um, and so in order to do that, we've engaged several larger distributors so that they can start selling our, our products for us um, and obviously introducing them to Microsoft as well so they can understand how they could produce other products as well from from that relationship and I would say I mean this isn't uh, this isn't native to all all markets but the healthcare market is a little bit slower in terms of adoption and so having that marketing has always been really helpful because it just reaches out to more doctors and surgeons in particular surgeons because they tend to not watch TV nor are they on Twitter um, or any of the traditional social media channels and so having um, Having the ad has really helped that because it was, I believe, rebroadcast again during the Olympics and then again on sort of regular programming. So can a company like Athena Health be a partner to you? They're here based in Watertown. They're exploding and mm -hmm. doubling in size. Uh, people are excited to have them in this city. Um, can someone like that help you access doctors? Absolutely. So the interesting thing is we have our first application in surgery, um, but we're definitely looking to move out of that and into the larger healthcare space. And so once we do that, then companies like Athena, then a lot of the larger companies like Smith & Nephew, the, the more um, medical device, traditional uh, companies can can be of, <coughs> of help. Um, but right now we're sort of zeroed in on surgery because there's um, a very immediate application there. And as we grow, we're going to definitely tackle the other areas of healthcare. Um, how are sales? They're going. <laughs> um, they're slow because it, the healthcare market just tends to be uh, more cautious. But that's, you know, in a way, very important that our our doctors and our hospitals are, are careful with their spending and careful with their their technological adoption. Do you, but, do you feel like this is a technology that will date, or do you feel like you guys are doing new additions of it all the time? Well, so the interesting thing is there are still a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the fact that they can gesture towards a system and have something happen. The idea that um, that touchless is, in, uh, is a way of computing is very foreign to most people still. Um, and we love presenting it to doctors and administrators because they're very tactile. They use their hands all the time and they use a lot of tools, but allowing them to just gesture to something um, without having that tactile feedback is still a little bit of a, a futuristic concept. It's true, because even with so, your iPhone or your Android, you're moving your fingers on exactly. the screen. With gesture, you're literally just in the Moving it in the air. air. Exactly. <laughs> and so um, there's also unintentionality, too, where people perhaps want to gesture um, towards, you know, another individual, and, and that might, you know, come into effect. So we're, we're definitely still, I would say, three, four years out in terms of mass adoption. But I think that's the exciting thing, is that we are applying it in a setting that is so, um, that's so important, um, and that it has such a, a clear value proposition, and that sterility is a, an, an important issue in the operating room, 
and they've had so many different ways to solve it, including foot pedals, um, microphones, and uh, and you know, generally pulling someone aside and telling them to operate the computer. That this has such a an immediate impact directly and revolutionary for them. Hopefully, <laughs> tell me what other applications you think or industries could be using this sort of gesture. Uh, technology. So I think the the next logical step is is any other industry that requires clean and dirty separation. So manufacturing is something that we've also looked at in the past, um, where you know you have a, a large manufacturing line and you basically have to uh, press a lot of buttons, etc. But you also have to maintain um, sterility in that line. So food production. Yeah, there's that too, um, and and. I mean, once you get into sort of robotic manufacturing, like automation, that's a whole other other can of worms. Um, but it's also a really large market, and I can see that being applied. In essence, um, anywhere where you need an interface between the operator and the machine. How many people in your company right now? So right now we're at six, um, and we're hoping to grow, obviously, in the next uh, in the next couple of months. Um, and who's funding you right now? We actually raised $500,000 on a convertible note um, about a year and a half ago. And we will be fundraising in a couple of months. Um, but right now, because of the distribution interest, etc., we're going to see how that grows our business. I have a question for you as someone who came from another country to participate in an accelerator here in Boston because we have many consulates who are now in play in the Boston area, but you came from Canada, and exactly. Canada has an accelerator program. Can you tell us about that program? Sure. So the business actually was uh, concepted in um, in Toronto, and then when we participated in the accelerator in Seattle, uh, the whole team moved, and um, and since then we've maintained two offices. And moving to Boston, actually from Seattle, um, was a an opportunity that came about because of the Canadian Tech Accelerator, which is funded by the Canadian Consulate here in Boston. And what they do is they actually offered us uh, free office space, a lot of mentorship and connections into the community. And it was perfect at the time because we just started a study with Mass General Hospital and didn't really know what we were doing in Boston other than the fact that we knew this was a very active medical device and medical technology town. And so the consulate um, has done you know, uh, maybe the, the most heavy lifting for us in the very beginning when we first relocated our U.S. office here, and we're still engaged with them, and, and I would recommend the program to any Canadian company um, that is looking to set up shop in Boston, in particular for the health tech, biotech, and life sciences sectors. The Swiss are also very active. They have me coming over on March 3rd, if mm -hmm. people want to come and see that interview live with Elmer Mock, who was the inventor of Swatch, the original inventor of Swatch Watch. And uh, the Canadians and the Swiss consulate both seem to be very active in Boston. What advice would you give to other foreign countries as they all sort of circle Boston and try and help bring companies here? What would be the advantage of being here in Boston? I think that this is maybe the most active um, and obviously a little biased because I'm in medical technology, but one of the most active networked cities in the world for startups. Um, you have all of the academic talent at your disposal, um, and in fact, it really helped us to, to get connected to some of the consultants here. Um, you have all these different startups that are actually working harder than I think um, 
San Francisco and New York because what's interesting about about Boston is it's such a small tight knit community and um, they're sort of always in competition with Silicon Valley always in competition with a lot of the New York investors yeah. and so you have this interesting dynamic where people in Boston just want to prove that they are just as vibrant and I think it's a great energy because you're always going to sort of have the underdog. And Boston isn't really the underdog, but it has that mentality. So it works harder, and everybody is just more um, engaged here. And people are constantly willing to help each other out, and that network just grows and magnifies. So where are we falling short in Boston besides the snowbanks <laughs> and the tea? Oh, we have plenty this of that. Week. In fact, where are we actually... falling short? Because there's, there, you know, we, we are in Silicon Valley, and New York has a ton of money. So where... As someone who had some time here, you go back and forth between Boston and Toronto now. Where is Boston falling short? What advice do you have for Boston startup community? So I don't actually think it's falling short. I think um, the impression that it's falling short is actually healthy, in that um, you know people work harder and are just uh, more dedicated to, to proving that they will succeed. Um, there are several very impressive companies in Boston. I mean, Wayfair IPO'd recently. Like there, there is. Um, there's an energy here that I think rivals Silicon Valley, um, despite the fact that maybe there isn't as much money um, and activity here. And I mean, as a Techstars company, Techstars was the accelerator that partnered with Microsoft in Seattle to create the Microsoft Connect Accelerator. Techstars Boston has been incredibly active here and has fostered a community that I think rivals both Silicon Valley and New York. And I mean, the then if we were to talk about comparison to New York, I think that there is just as much money and deal flow in Boston as there is there. So we like to do a quiz at the end of every interview, sure. sort of fun one. Um, let's see how you do on this one. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get it right. Okay. Um, there, someone closed a 25 to $26 million Series A in the last two weeks, three weeks, a female entrepreneur here in Boston oh, no. for a product. Um, and so maybe through process of elimination you might get this. Here are the three options. Audience, feel free to weigh in if you know. You, she wants to call a friend. So, did the twenty-five million plus dollars go to the bicycle that's driving back and forth behind us in this podcast right now with the electric wheel, which also looks very cool? Uh, or B, did it go to a new Google product? Or C, did it go to my Jibo, a personal robot? Interesting. Um, so, I mean. My rationale is that I've been working very hard for the last two and a half weeks, and so I may not have paid attention to the uh, fund announcements that have come out, but uh, I'm going to go with robots because I'm a mechanical engineer and I really support that. Yes, it's right. It's, it's C, uh, my Jibo, the new personal robot that we will all possibly have in our home soon, closed a Series A for 26, 25 point something million um, here in Boston. So it was an exciting week for mm -hmm. Boston and tech. Thank you, Sharon, for coming in and talking to us about Gesture, and I want to hear how it goes and how you grow. Sounds good. Thank you for inviting me, Heidi. Mm -hmm.